Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Fascinating Nouns. Now this is the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now it is here at this curious nexus point that we explore the strange, the unusual, offbeat, the bizarre, the intriguing, the interesting, the invigorating, the quirky, quaint, and quizzical. The weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. Thanks everyone for listening in on this program. Before we get started, quick shameless plugs, only time I have to do it. Fascinating Nouns is where you'll find the most updated source for all of my shows, upcoming projects, and additional material. That's the key part of that website. You can also check me out on Facebook, Fascinating Nouns. I think it's backslash after Facebook.com. You guys know how to use that. And Twitter, at Daniel J. Glenn, to catch all kinds of updates, secret little tips, and what's coming up on the program. Let's get into it. Now, for this show, I went a little bit off topic. This is not an entertainment show. I don't have actors, directors, nothing about movies, any of that stuff, unless it happens to fall into the various categories that I mentioned at the top of every program. Al White's a little bit different, but fascinating nonetheless. Al, you'll probably recognize him, was in the movie Airplane, in one of the most iconic comedic scenes ever, the jive-talking scenes. He's the guy with the beard. Now, both he and Norm Gibbs, the other actor in, in that particular scene, developed, a, uh, developed a, a language, which they call jive, which isn't really a language, but they, they developed it for the movie, and it sounds very legitimate. He's also in my second favorite movie, Back to the Future 2. He's the guy who chases after Marty with a baseball bat in alternate 1985. Now, we're going to get into a lot of impressive accomplishments that Al's achieved, but I think the most impressive is that he's been a working actor for almost four decades. Now, that's kind of why I sat down with him, wanted to know what his secret was. I mean, this is something that's a foreign concept to me. Well, let's just get right to it and find out. Al, thank you so much for being here, man. Oh, my pleasure, anytime. Well, so you are truly a star of stage and screen. I've always wanted to say that, but in your case, it's true. You've done, kind of done it all, huh? Uh, yes, I have, but I don't consider myself a star. I consider myself a planet. <laughs> Still working on stardom. Sure. Well, you know, that's kind of what's cool about you is you've been a working actor for decades. You know, most people, when, when, they, when they turn on the TV entertainment news, you hear about big stars, multi-million dollars, but you don't hear about guys who've been able to sustain a career over many decades and, you know, do very well at it. You're one of those guys. Oh, yes, yes. I've, um, matter of fact, my first job, I still have the first dollar. Is that right? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, that I ever earned, and I considered that my first professional job, which was a uh, stage production in San Francisco. Uh, I was born in Houston, but I was raised in San Francisco. And uh, when I first started off, um, uh, I, I was a janitor, actually, in Golden Gate Park for about eight years. And, you know, I had been, like, uh, the president of my junior high school, president of my high school class, president of the honor society in high school, captain of the football team, etc. Blah blah. And here I am, a janitor. Well, not that j being a janitor is, you know, low grade or anything, but I felt like I could do more uh, with uh, my life uh, because I was there during, uh, before, during, and after the hippies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just did an episode on the hippies, so I can only imagine what that was like. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> One day I said, this is it. No, I can't do this anymore. So right then and there, I decided to become an actor. 
you know, because I didn't want to be a janitor anymore. I'm Wait, not. now that was the dis- what made the decision to. St- I mean, that's a big career jump. It's a very strange jump. You know what I mean? What made you kind of click that in? Uh, well, I, I knew I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, uh, cleaning up those bathrooms. You should have seen those I, bathrooms. I don't even want to describe <laughs> it for you. I can you only know? imagine. Whoa. When they uh, weren't when they weren't sleeping in it, they were. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But they they emptied the privy pots, you know, from uh, you know uh, their campers where they were staying, you know. And, Wait, is a uh, privy pot? Is that like a, a bedpan or like a yeah, yeah chamber pot? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All over the walls, the floor, and it was oh up to me to clean it up. Good so lord. So I said, "That's it." You know, just one day out of the blue, and I and so I tried to think of what I would want to be, you know. Um, I didn't want to be a doctor or lawyer. It was too late to be an Indian chief, so I decided <laughs> to uh, uh, all of a sudden become an actor because I loved uh, watching TV a lot. Yeah. Well, so, so who kind of, um, I mean, was there anyone you wanted to emulate? or was there, Were there any shows, any movies that you were like, hey, I can do this, I can be that guy? Uh, well, uh, I would do that all the time, watching TV. You know, I would always say I can do that. Mm-hmm. You know, but it never clicked. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> right. So uh, one day, uh, you know, uh, while I was janitoring up on Stanley Street at one of my stops, I had five different stops. Um, uh, I decided to uh, take a class, you know, which I did the next day. <laughs> you and made this decision. You just clicked yeah, in. That was yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. You have to do that. One of those moments. Yes, absolutely. So. Uh, uh, the next day, I, t- I started a class, and uh, I liked it, you know, and the uh, instructor, uh, after about a month or so, told me about a friend of hers who was doing a his uh, thesis at San Francisco State, and one of the actors dropped out, you know, and they needed a replacement, so I, uh, I replaced him, and one of the actors in that um, told me about an organization that he was with, you know, that I might want to become associated with was uh, Plays for Living. So like a theater group? Yeah, right, right. Uh, We had about 15 actors, and uh, we'd have five actors per play, and we'd go out uh, doing socially oriented plays around the Bay Area. (laughs) We would do it like at a doctor's, um, um, his basement, you know, in his playroom that he had fixed up, and... One time we did it at the Veterans Building, and we were doing this play called A Man Nobody Saw. You know, uh, the black man uh, is um, uh, who we, we, we were talking about, The Man Nobody Saw, and I played uh, two different parts, you know, um, at two different times. You know, one was, uh, it was a courtroom scene, one was the lawyer, and the other was the man that was being interviewed. And, of course, there were two different people all the time, but there's one time at the Veterans Building, the actor playing the lawyer didn't show up. Uh, So we were going to cancel, but I told the person in charge, I said, well, you know, I I can do both parts. (laughs) (laughs) So this is like multiple breaks. I mean, it's like your big break, and then you've kind of made opportunities for yourself. Yeah, right, right. I don't know why I said I'd do both parts, because (laughs) I had to interview myself. (laughs) You know, I was a man and the lawyer. (laughs) That's abstract, though. That's kind of avant-garde. I mean, that's theater. Yeah, right. (laughs) Kind of. I know. You know, see, the man, he he had... uh, he didn't have much education, so he spoke like that, and the lawyer, of course, did. Huh. 
you know, and uh, the other actors uh, during that scene normally would face, you know, the wall. And after uh, after the show, they told me they they said they could have sworn there were two people out there. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I had to interview myself and respond to myself, and I just switched dialects. You know. Wow. wow. So you were either born to do this, or you had a mental instability. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather prefer I either. was born to do it. Hey, even if you did, you were able to capitalize on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 So. Uh, uh, that went very well with that group, and then an actor from that group told me about a play that uh, was being uh, getting ready to be done um, uh, downtown called uh, The Ballad of Dangerous George, and um, so I went down there and uh, auditioned for the lead, and it just so happens that the other person auditioning for the lead uh, was uh, Carl Weathers. Wow. Yeah, really? so <laughs> actually he got the part. He actually got the part, but then he decided to uh, go to L.A. instead. So that gave me the part, wow. you know, they gave me the part. So I was a lead and I did very well, got excellent reviews. And uh, the president of uh, the American Conservatory Theater, San Francisco, which was one of the and still is one of the greatest regional theaters in the world, uh, Bill Ball, he was the uh, president and uh, organizer of the theater. He saw my performance and sent me a personal letter to come audition for the company. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So um, Carl went to uh, L.A. Uh, his timing was perfect. You know, uh, I got into uh, the American Conservatory Theater. I was in the company for three years. And I was doing Equus um, one night. And after the performance, uh, Carl ran up the steps and he yelled. He said, Al. I said, Carl. He said, uh, he said, listen, uh, I got a new movie coming out in two weeks. Go check it out. It's called Rocky. <laughs> 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 I said, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the that rest was, is history that was for that, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did a marvelous job. Rocky is one of my favorite movies and that music. I mean, it was, whew. It's good. Uh, so, I mean, that's what's kind of cool about you is you, you know, you started in theater. Uh, you've done a lot of legitimate theater work and you kind of worked with all the greats, you know. I mean, you worked with, you know, Brock Hudson, Sam Jackson, James Earl Jones, Lawrence Fishburne, Danny Glover. I mean, you, you, you were working with all these guys, right? Um, I didn't work with James Earl Jones. I met him a couple of times. Um, Fishburne I worked with, Sam I worked with in a... Um, we kind of digress from the fact that I've been earning a living as an actor, but this all leads into oh, it. Oh, yeah, I guess you know, so. Yeah, I guess you were make, earning a living at that time doing regional theater. Yeah, yeah. Well, when I hit ACT, you know, I got a regular salary, so. Oh, that's good. Oh, so, so let's get yeah. into that. How did, you, how did you get to ACT? Well, like I just said, Bill Ball uh, asked me to audition, and I auditioned, and uh, oh, got that's accepted. how you got in. That's how I got in. Oh, okay. So when you were into there, then there was a regular salary, and then they gave you work. Yeah, and right, right. Well, I was in 18 productions while I was there. Uh, Richard III, I played Sir Robert Bracken, Brackenberry in uh, Richard right. III. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I was in Othello, but I wasn't the lead at the time. Uh, John Cochran was um, not, uh, not the Johnny Cochran. Uh, no, no, different, no, different John Cochran. John, yeah, right. So you were doing all, so you were doing all mm, kinds of stuff. So when, how did that work? So th when when you were there and you were earning a salary, 
Did they? Did you still have to audition, or did they give you roles and they say, okay? Well, no, they just you know. once you're in the company, it's that was in the full company. Yeah. And uh, once you're in the company, then they just assign you roles. Just divvy them out. Yeah, yeah, to whatever play they want to put you in. And so I was in like three or four plays a season. You know, wow. uh, one season I was in eight plays <laughs> at the same time. At the same time, eight at, plays. Yeah. How, how well, it, it was a repertoire, yeah. repertory. So we did different plays. You know, at different times, and we had eight going in one season, and I was in all of them. So here's uh, the, you know, this kind of sparks a little thought. You know, you, I've done a little bit of acting work, and I know how difficult it is to to keep everything in your head. When you have eight plays working at the same time. I mean, not only do you have to keep all the words in your head, you have to, you know, you have to emotionally be in the moment, working through it as if it's happening. You know, how do you, how do you keep all that in, in your head? Compartmentalize. That's all. You know, you only do one play per night. Yeah. <laughs> we got to keep them all like floating around in your head. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not difficult once you learn them. Uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't the lead, you know, so I didn't have a whole bunch of lines per play. Yeah. You know, and uh, when it came time to do uh, a particular play, you just concentrate on that play at that time. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and once you've done it for three years, I mean, you, you get really good at it. You yeah, know? that's true. Yeah, I was in the company for three years, and I was uh, able to take classes for free, you know, because oh, wow. it was also a conserva- two-year conservatory, you know, at which Denzel Washington went. You oh, know, no kidding. For a year. Yeah, he was a student for a year. But that was after I left. I left in 77. He came in, I think, in 78, and he was there. So you kind of blazed the trail for him, in a way. Nah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, was the only, that was the only real schooling that you had for, for acting then, yes? Um, yeah, that was my primary training. I had classical training there at ACT, and I was fortunate to be able to get it for free, you know, because it... Uh, a little pricey, you know, for yeah. me at the time, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it it was well worth it. And I got fortunate and was able to travel with them uh, for the Bicentennial Cultural Exchange. The U.S. government uh, sent the American Conservatory Theater to uh, uh, the Soviet Union for a month. And in exchange, um, they sent the Bolshoi Theater here. Oh, and this is in the middle of the Cold War. I mean, this is right, this is right, nineteen seventy six. Yeah. So, what was that like going over there? I mean, you work with Stanislavski, and you know, you spent two weeks there, right? Yeah, but I didn't work with Stanislavski. He was dead at the time. No, but the Stanislavski uh. Theater. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I should, you got to get specific. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm very sorry. That's what. Yeah. Right. That's true. Right. I'm not that old. <laughs> I'm not that old. However, uh, the person that was in charge of. Um, we performed at the New Moscow Theater. Uh, we'll make that distinction. Yeah. Uh, One of the best theaters in the world. Yeah, right. Uh, Stanislavski's Theater was the Moscow Art Theater, and we performed at the New Moscow Art Theater. And the person in charge at that time, as I remember it, uh, worked directly with Stanislavski. He was that old, you know. Wow. Yeah, so we got, got a chance to meet him. Uh, we had uh, sort of a reception at the uh, U.S. Ambassador's home. Mm. You know, uh, and uh, that was really wild. Yeah, I can imagine so. Yeah. What was that like? Not was wild, but it, wild it was parties wonderful. Or yeah, no, it wasn't wild, wild, <laughs> but, you know, so to speak. You weren't greeted as liberators or anything? Yeah, no, 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 no. For, for me, it was wonderful. That's what I meant by wild. It was really great to uh, be there yeah. in, uh, in uh, his presence. And uh, 
So we performed there for two weeks. Um, each seat had uh, earphones, and uh, uh, it was like simultaneous translation. Real time. Yeah, in real time. Well, kind of in real time. <laughs> I'll explain that. We were doing Matchmaker, uh-huh. you know, which is a comedy. And, you know, with comedies, they'll have certain lines that whatever night you perform, you'll get a laugh on that line. Right. Uh, so when we got to that point, uh, you know, there was nothing. And we figured, I was kind of figuring, well, you know, um, they don't get our humor type right. of thing. Sure. And then about five lines later on the very serious line, uh, they all cracked up, <laughs> you know. So I said, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I see what's happening here. <laughs> right, right, right. So after the opening tableau, uh, we got off stage and uh, found out that uh, the interpreter was five lines behind <laughs> us. Right. You know. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah, and she lasted about a week. Yeah. You know, we had to get somebody that could read faster. Yeah. Uh, and translate immediately. Yeah. I mean, you got to be like, you got to yeah. boom, boom, boom. I mean. Well, they had the script, so I'm sure that they prepared ahead of time. Yeah. You know, but you still have to be able to read as fast as we were uh, performing. So absolutely, uh, right. So they uh, uh, got a different interpreter, and uh, we sold out every night. You know, it was wonderful because they were hungry for anything English, American. You know, wow. As audiences, right? Yeah. And then we went uh, uh, to uh, re- um, uh, St. Petersburg um, uh, for a week. You know. The, that was the old name. Um, I you, forget the. Uh, yeah, I don't know. The, but you guys got to tour like the. So you got to tour the entire country of of well the Soviet Union at that time. Um. Uh. Not really. You know, we were like basically in Moscow, Leningrad. That's yeah. that's the name I was trying to think. That's yeah, yeah. the new name of Saint Petersburg, Leningrad. We were there for a week performing. So a week in each city. Yeah, and then we went to Riga, which is in Latvia, for a week and performed a week there. Oh. So that was our month's tour in uh, uh, the Soviet Union, and it was fantastic, you know, fantastic experience. Um, one experience that I had, I was standing in line at a uh, grocery store, and, you know, in America, you leave space between people. You sure, know, you, yeah. know, you jammed up on somebody. Right. And um, this little... The little lady, you know, she like whoop <laughs> right in the space that I left. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, you know, so I'm saying, oh, okay. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> You're in Russia, yeah. you know, in while in Rome. You yeah, know. exactly. Uh but that was real funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right ahead of you, man. Just yeah, right in there. Yeah, right. So when when we first got there <clears throat> in uh Helsinki, we we had a charter plane from San Francisco. We stopped in Bangor, Maine, and then in Helsinki. When we got out in Helsinki, I could hear over the PA system the song, If You're Going to San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was wild. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and then from there to Moscow. Yeah. And, uh, Maybe it was an omen. Maybe you should have uh, gone back. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, but it sounds like you had a good time, though. It sounds great. Yeah, no, we had a wonderful time. We had a wonderful time. And then we came back and then went to Hawaii for two weeks. <laughs> uh, Opposite there. temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> and then came back. So um, 
uh, then um, so you were able to take you know, working with the theater you were able to kind of tour all kinds of places I mean free travel free cultural you know immersion that kind of a thing yeah relative to uh, the Soviet Union and uh, Hawaii we went to Hawaii I think uh, every year I went once um, uh, so that and that took care of the touring relative to my being there at any particular time yeah. Um, and then uh, after the third year, um, I decided to come to L.A., mm. you know. Uh, so the uh, uh, casting agent that I had in San Francisco for film, uh, the Brebner Agency, um, she helped me get my agent in L.A. Um, and um, I was fortunate enough to, once I got here, uh, uh, to... Uh, book the first nine auditions that I went out for. Mm, okay, you know, that's uh, good. Yeah, that's you know, so that really got me started. And uh, what I had done was I had quit my job at the park before I got my first acting job. <laughs> you know, so I was then able to uh, apply to uh, unemployment as an actor because my last job was an acting job. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to do that. You got to make that jump. You got to, you know, you have to tell yourself, I, I don't have a parachute. I don't have a backup. You just go for it. And then it worked out for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. I sort of created my own parachute. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you have to do some forethought. You know, you have to uh, plan and prepare and then just go for it, you just know, because that's what it. I wanted to do. I wanted to act, you know. So uh, the first um, uh, job I. Well, the first speaking job on camera I got was in San Francisco in uh, Streets of San Francisco. Mm. As a matter of fact, I had five words. Uh, <laughs> Do you remember them? Uh, no, I don't remember them, but <laughs> right. uh, a couple of years ago I got the DVD <laughs> yeah. of the sh actual show. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and it was the last one they had over at Barnes & Nobles. <laughs> you know, I don't know if they even put out anymore, but I was mm. fortunate enough to get that. Oh, that's great. You know, I was an FBI agent in uh, Candlestick Park, and I had a um, um, walkie-talkie, and I had uh, um, a whole bunch of <clears throat> gargles, um, I mean binoculars, and a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> I had five words. I loved it, but that was my first on-camera uh, job. And then when I got to L.A., uh, my first on-camera was uh, Starsky and Hutch. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. How fun was that? I mean, how fun was it when you, you know, you're a working actor and you want to be on TV, you want to do these things, then you get that job, and your first job. What was the first job like? Nothing like the first time, you know. Yeah, well, it was uh, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, uh, you never forget the first one, that, you yeah. know, as you can see, because I uh, related it. Um, the first one in San Francisco, period. Um, the first time on camera, actually, though, was uh, an extra, because I, I was an extra in San Francisco for four years. Oh before I uh, got to be an actor, um, that, which is a good story, too. <clears throat> uh, Call Me Mr. Tibbs was the first uh, extra movie that I'd all ever been in. Yeah. And um, it was a um, scene where Sidney Poitier, he was in this church, and they were doing some organizing, and then he would come out and then walk down the street. And we rehearsed it once, so I saw uh, the pattern you know, uh, of uh, the rehearsal. So I just positioned myself behind Sidney Portier when he came out and walked down the street. I positioned myself <laughs> yeah. behind him and walked behind him. 
<laughs> you know, so I'm on camera. Maximize your screen time. Right? Yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, so uh, that was my first on camera. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, you, know, um, you, you weren't that, that ex- you weren't that extra in the background, like waving his hands and like trying. Yeah, to Yeah, no, you know, no, I was guy. very subtle, very subtle. Um, and um, uh, as a matter of fact, I uh, told Sydney that story when I met him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I was doing. Uh, we'll segue right quick to uh, my uh, um, performance in uh, Two Trains Running, which was an August Wilson play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on Broadway with it. I'm I'm gonna get back to the beginning of this, but um, I was on Broadway with it, and uh, uh, Sidney Poitier uh, was uh, a guest of Roscoe Lee Brown's. Mm-hmm. You know, and he came backstage after the performance, and I relayed that story to him. <laughs> you know, and he was, you know, he was very pleased with it. And he asked me if I had a clip of it. And I said no. He said, "Well, if you can't get one, let me know." Yeah, I'm sure he could. <laughs> yeah, he's got the connections, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, right, right. You know, so uh, yeah, that was that was great. Did you, ever t- um, did you ever take him up on that? Well, I found, well, um, I got. I got the DVD myself. Oh, so you didn't even have to. So I didn't need him, you know. But the uh, next time I saw him, I told him I got it. <laughs> uh, you know, Sydney is a real nice guy, you know. That's what I, I hear. I yeah, guy. real I, nice. I work with someone who's related to him, like third, second or third cousin, and said he's great, always willing to help people out. And sounds like an amazing guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 he was. Um, so, um, but that was my encounter with Sydney Portier. Um, well, let's get back to the to, to you being on Broadway. I want to I want to do some more theater stuff because you've done some pretty impressive theater work. So you were in an August Wilson play, Two Trains Running, part of his Pittsburgh cycle, and you were on Broadway with Lawrence Fishburne, correct? Uh, correct. Um, for your audience who doesn't uh, who don't know who August Wilson uh, is, August Wilson uh, was the um, uh, the only black one, uh, not black, but only well, he was black, but uh, one of uh, only six uh, playwrights who got won two Pulitzer Prizes for drama. Oh, wow. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. Yeah. One for Piano Lesson and one for Fences, uh, which he, uh, he wrote both. Uh, he wrote a canon of uh, ten plays, mm-hmm. uh, each one depicting um, uh, a period of the 20th century relative to the black experience in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Two Trains Running was his <clears throat> uh, his fifth play, and um, uh, I got the lead in that. Um, Memphis Lee was uh, the name of the character, and um, uh, Lloyd Richards, who was the first black playwright on Broadway with Raisin in the Sun with Sidney Poitier, uh, he was uh, August Wilson's mentor. And uh, so he directed uh, Two Trains Running, and he was also the uh, head of the Yale Drama Department. So we rehearsed uh, uh, at Yale. The opening cast was me, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Ella Joyce, um, and um, I forget the other uh, 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 people right now. But I well, will, I hope they don't I hope will. they don't listen and call in. No, <laughs> no, I will. Uh, uh, and how long was that on Broadway for? Uh, it was. We were on Broadway for um, uh, five months. Um, but once we, when we finished rehearsing at Yale, and we performed at Yale for a month, and then 
Uh, we moved to the Huntington Theater in Boston, mm. uh, but uh, Fishburne dropped out he, uh, to do Boys in the Hood, and Sam dropped out to do uh, Jungle Fever. Two big movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the rest is history. The rest for them. is history. For them. <laughs> you know, but I was uh, I stayed with uh, uh, the company uh, very fortunately and traveled around the country for two years with the play. Um, from Boston to uh, Seattle Rep uh, in Se Seattle, and then the uh, Old Globe Theater in San Diego. Then we went to the Kennedy Center, then back here at the Doolittle for 12 weeks, and then Broadway for five months. Wow. And you once got a role over Danny Glover, too, isn't that right? Didn't you get a... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it, well, it was kind of funny. It wasn't over him because it, it was I over got him by take, default. Take it, well, take it. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> what happened was is while I was at ACT in the company, uh, we had a smaller theater across the street in the main building where they did smaller plays. And Burial Clay uh, had written a play called uh, No Left Turn. And uh, the director um, said to me, you know, well, we have the, you know, couple of parts you're right for, and the lead part, uh, he's, uh, uh, he drinks heavily, and he plays the guitar, you know, and sing, you know. Well, I said, well, I don't play the guitar or, or sing, you know. Uh, she said, you and Danny Glover are up for the part, yeah. you know. So I said, well, okay, give it to Danny Glover, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, and then she said, well, that's what he said about you. <laughs> you know? So I said, oh, man, okay, well, all right then. You know, I'll do the part, of course, you know, and I had to learn how to play the piano, I mean the guitar in a week, and uh, try to sing. Uh, so how'd, it's how'd a, that go? <laughs> well, because the character was inebriated, it went well. It went well, really well, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, really funny yeah so uh i didn't actually get it over him uh I, by default i got the part got it got the part yeah. um so, and you also worked with tennessee williams and helped create a role for for him correct yes uh fortunately when we um while i was there at act tennessee williams was a resident playwright along with edward alby and uh he was um uh, a resident playwright, and we were working on his newest uh, play called This Is an Entertainment. And um, so I uh, was fortunate enough to be cast as a military officer in the play. And uh, so I therefore created one of the characters in the Tennessee Williams play. Um, no small feat, by the way. Not everyone can say that. Yeah, not, a, not everyone. Uh, yeah, plus having created a character in an August Wilson play. I mean, I'm probably the only person in the world who has done both. Wow, is that right? I don't know. I'm guessing. Well, let's but. say it is. <laughs> say it definitively, Al. Yes, you're the only person. I'm the only person in the world to create a Tennessee Williams character and an August Wilson character. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And we, um, uh, we did a tribute to him. Uh, the company did, and he was sitting on stage in his big wicker chair, you know, like a king, you know, 
and uh, <laughs> we course. all got yeah, we all got to file by and uh, shake his hand, and kiss the kiss the ring, I guess, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holding, uh, holding court, so to speak. Sure. Uh, so that was wonderful meeting, actually meeting and shaking Tennessee Williams's hand, you yeah. know, because you know uh, he was the uh, very famous playwright of you know the Glass Menagerie, a uh, streetcar named Desire, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Orpheus Descending, Sweet Bird of Youth. These are all you know legendary plays yeah, that absolutely. he wrote, and fortunately, I was uh, in one of his plays. That's amazing. Well, you know, um, it, one of the, so I don't normally have actors on the show. This isn't an entertainment show. But you kind of have done so many really cool things. And one of them is you were very active during the civil rights movement. Like a lot of these plays that are going on are very, you know, culturally important at the time. You know, was that, was that intentional or did you just kind of get drawn into to that group, you know? Um, the August Wilson plays... Um, so to speak, you know, touched on the black experience, you yeah. know, but I wasn't uh, heavy into the movement. I was in San Francisco and it wasn't, you know, that the civil rights movement, I wasn't that, that aware of it. Of course, the Black Panthers were in Oakland, so I was yeah. aware of them. So I, I only ask because it's only right around the same time and, you know, Berkeley is pretty close and, you know, mm -hmm. the stuff was all going on right there. Right, right. Totally aware of it, but I wasn't, you know, with any active group you know, that was involved in the civil rights movement. Of course, I, uh, you know, was uh, all for what they were doing. Of, <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then you moved, so you moved from your theater work, which was extensive and very impressive, into television work. I mean, because you've, you've kind of done all the mediums, right? So you were, I mean, like I'm looking at, you know, you were in some of the, some of my favorite shows like Seinfeld, Tales from the Crypt. You're currently at Switched at Birth, you know. Um, so how did you kind of move into, into that? Uh, when I went to L.A., like I said, um, uh, my agent here helped me get my agent there, and, you know, and then the agent sends you out on an audition, and you either do or don't get the part. And like I said, <laughs> I got the first nine parts, so I was automatically in TV. Um, but I wasn't in TV, period, and I was still doing stage. Um, because after all of that, I didn't, I didn't do the August Wilson play until 1990, and I got to L.A. in 77. Oh, okay. I see. So yeah, you've been so doing theater work the whole. T I guess I didn't realize the overlap. So you've been doing theater for you know, fifteen years in the middle of that, um, while doing TV work. So it was all. Concurrent. As a matter of fact, I didn't do any theater work from seventy-seven to ninety. Um, I was just concentrating on uh, uh, TV and uh, film. Uh, not that I was. Uh, avoiding theater or anything, but nothing just ca nothing came up until 1990 when I auditioned for August Wilson. Yeah, well, you and I mean, I looked at. I mean, if you check out your resume, it's impressive. I mean, you were in almost every single big show from 1980 to 1998. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, how'd you pull that I, off? <laughs> yeah, I've been in about 70 different uh, TV shows, uh, 14 features, um, 35 stage plays, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, then Bones, you know, I've, I've done NYPD Blue a couple of times, Self, Seinfeld, King of Queens, Son of the Beach, and Young and the Restless, I had a running 
part in that the district a couple of times uh i mean comedies comedies dramas soap operas yeah yeah comedy 227 amen jefferson's a couple of times i love those shows yeah so i can (laughs) i can do it all (laughs) yeah it seems like it Um, i mean and that's well one of the funny things that you did and and you may not this is one of the nerdy things about me is you were in both wonder woman which is a dc comic and you were in The Incredible Hulk, which is a Marvel comic. Did anyone come and say, hey, you can't be in both of these worlds at the same time? Uh, you're the only one that just pointed that out to me. Uh, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that is something I would notice. Very good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah. yeah, no, I hadn't noticed that myself. <laughs> no, no, the answer to the question is no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but that was wonderful, though, working uh, you know, on uh, Wonder Woman. I was a cop in that. And uh, Incredible Hulk. Um, I forget exactly what I did in that, but uh, I was in it. But you were in it. I, you were in it. That we can say that absolutely definitively. <laughs> um, but I think you know you're probably, at least to me, um, more, most famous for your film work because you're in at the very least two of my favorite movies of all time. Um, you're in Back to the Future too. Uh, right, which right. Is, which is such a great scene. I actually put these together. Uh, you, I have uh, some of your film work on my on the website, so they'll be able to see the scenes that we're talking about. Oh, great. So great. I have the Back to the Future scene, which is my favorite, which is, um, I think we, sp- we talked earlier about you being in your underwear, and in that scene, you're in your underwear. That's true. That, right? Oh, you got me. I got you. That's what yeah, I do. I nailed right. you, buddy. Sorry. Yeah, you. right, right. That was funny because... Um, uh, I was fortunate too to meet uh, Steven Spielberg because he was there uh, uh, the day we were shooting. Um, uh, but uh, Michael J. Fox, when we were, he was a real nice guy, real nice. Um, when we were rehearsing, <clears throat> you know, he was a little concerned about uh, my uh, getting too close to him with the bat. Uh, uh, for all of you who saw the show it it was the scene where Michael J. Fox went back uh, uh, in time and uh, he opened the window to his old home and uh, fell in bed with my daughter you know inadvertently he didn't know the bed was right under the window and she started screaming screaming you know and I came in with the bat I was like what are you doing in bed with my daughter you know and he's trying to explain, and I didn't give him a chance. I went for him with the bat, you know, and I tore up the place <laughs> with well, it, the bat. It's great because when I watch it, first of all, you say, freeze, sucker, which yeah. is my favorite. Oh, yeah, that's I true. love that line. It's so funny. But you go after him, and I'm kind of impressed with how you follow. Like, I'm a big pro wrestling fan, so I know, like, staged fighting and what looks good and what doesn't. And when you swung at him with the bat, like, it looks like you're going to hit him, and you go through all this stuff. It's great. I mean, it's a great scene. Yeah, yeah. I uh, have an uncanny ability to you know, get very, even if I'm doing boxing or fighting, you know, and you have to pull your punches, I can get real close, you know. (laughs) Uh, Real close to that knockout. Yeah, yeah, so I wasn't worried about hitting him, but he was a little bit until uh, I said, don't worry, you know, I got this under control. I got this. You got this. (laughs) You know what, now that I'm thinking about this, you know what's funny about that? So in that same movie, Back to the Future 2, later on in the movie, there's a scene where – where he meets Biff, because, you know, there's two of them, two Martys running around in the old 1955 at the same right, time. Right, right. And, and so there's a scene where the old Marty's on stage. He confronts Biff, the new Marty, with the black leather jacket. The old Marty comes through the door and hits him in the head really hard, and he falls down. 
And from what I've seen in, in, in um, various different you know movie buffs or whatever that talk about what happened there, you know, behind the scenes footage, he actually took that hit to the head, like really took it. And the answer was, you know, uh, pain is temporary, film is forever. Like that's the kind of actor Michael J. Fox was. Which hearing that story, then I hear your story about you hitting him with a baseball bat. I thought it would be the opposite. He'd say, "Go ahead, hit me." Like it's if you come real close, like I'll, I'll get out of the way. Like that shocks me. Yeah, no, no, I was swinging that butt bat too hard. You know, <laughs> we did not want bat to hit contact. <laughs> right, believe me, the lead of the movie, the franchise. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the other movie that that is that is this is one, and I, I this is no hyperbole, sir. This is one of my favorite scenes in cinematic history because I think it is just such a brilliant concept, and they it executed so well as an airplane with you and I think is your really your friend Norman Gibbs, right? Norman Gibbs, right? You right. guys are really friends, correct? Or uh, were, were at the time? Is or is that I read that someplace? Is that true? I had never seen him before in my life until we got to the interview. That's that's well, that's there, true. There's false information out there about you, but nonetheless, you guys had the chemistry of old friends. We can say. Oh that. yeah, right, right. Because we uh, uh, don't want to toot my own home, but we're both excellent actors, you know, and that's <laughs> right. what actors do. That's what they do. They create Al. that immediate, you know, chemistry. Sure. You know, between especially if you're working with a female, you know, you've yeah. got to have it because the camera the will. You know, say if you do or not. Yeah, no, it's true. You, you got to have that spark right away. Right, right. So from the very first time I met him, uh, we developed that chemistry, which was at the audition, the callbacks, as a matter of fact. I didn't yeah. meet him until the callbacks. And uh, he was doing most of the talking, and I was playing off of him. You know, because yeah, I yeah. could see that he was taking the lead, and both of us trying to lead wouldn't work. Right. You know, because then it looked like both of us trying to steal the spotlight. You know, so I followed his lead at the uh, callback, and it worked perfectly. And they said, uh, these two guys work well together. This is it. This is it. Well, so just, just to briefly do the scene, it's you and, and, and Norman are, are on, an on the airplane, and you're talking, but you're talking what they later call jive, that, and then they have subtitles, so you guys are, it's like you're talking another language, which was, you know, more like slang, like, uh, is really what you guys were doing. But the way it works is you guys, it sounds like a created language, and, and then later on they pay it off by the stewardess not being able to understand you. But those three scenes, are they're so funny, and you guys developed that for that movie, correct? Because it's not a real language. No, no, jive is not a language. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, it's uh, the jargon of the jazz musicians in the 20s. You know, yeah. it's a word or phrase here and there, you know. Yeah. Um, but the Zuckers and Abrams wanted it as a language. So, you know, we had to formulate it in that manner. Uh, so they, they wrote it out in English what they wanted, you know. And then uh, Norman uh, worked on his part by himself and I worked on mine. You know, I had uh, two different uh, books of uh, black uh, jargon dictionaries, yeah. kind of. Wait, you know? re really? There were yeah. books in that written at the yeah. time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so I used those as references because I, I wanted to make up as little as possible. Yeah. You know, um, so um, uh, my first line, oh, oh, and Barbara Billingsley, you know, yes, I, yeah, I took over yeah. the reins of writing her uh, jive dialogue <laughs> yeah. and uh, instructing her in its proper elocution. <laughs> right, of course, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. And she was really eager to uh, learn it and get it right, you know. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was right in there with me. And uh, we worked on it for two hours, and she did get it down. 
Wow. You know, um, so um, the first scene, you know, I can't repeat what Norman said, but I actually have it in front of me if you'd oh, like yeah? to see it. Yeah, I've got the, the first and last scenes. OK, if you well, wanna... why don't you do Norman's dialogue? Oh, well, well, all right. So. Um, all right. So, <laughs> I'll so see if I remember mine. So how about I'll, I, I can do it. You see if you remember yours. And then you you mind telling me what you act, what, what this I means, no, yeah. but what it actually means, like what you you know, what you said. So. All right. I'm first jive to. Shit, man, that honky muff be messing my old lady. Gotta be running coal upside his head, you know? Hey, hey um, I can dig it. No, he ain't gonna lay no more pig grab pop up on you, man. I said, hey, Sky, something to say I wanna see. Uh, uh huh. Pretty Jay did the same old, same old. Hey, uh, Mac himself a pro. Slick, gray matter back. A lot of performance down, not take TCB in, man. Hey, you know what they say. See a bro to get that booty yak <laughs> Lay us down, down and smack him yak him. Cole got to be, you know? Shit. <laughs> 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 so what is... Oh, that is too cool. <laughs> so That's what does this cool. mean? So what is uh what is Muff? What is Honky Muff be messing with my old lady? I know Honky is a white guy. Uh, yeah, must be, must be. Oh, must yeah, be, yeah, must, must be. be messing with my old lady. Oh, uh, I see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Must be messing with my old lady. Got to run cold upside his head. That must mean hit him, yes? Yeah, yeah, going, you know, uh, must him up. Must him up. Must him up. So your favorite, I remember when we talked off camera, the uh, knock yourself a pro slick, gray meta back, you explained that line to me, and it all means stuff. These are all words, because they're all words that are real words, but put into that order and, and phrase, it means something totally different. Yeah, well, Mac, M-A-C-K, is what it should be. Oh, uh, Mac yourself a pro. Yeah, I, I, have a, I have a weird translation. Yeah, well, I got that word out of the uh, Black Dictionary. Which is kind yeah. of like the Urban Dictionary now. Yeah, There's a right. website called the Urban right, Dictionary. Right, absolutely. And Mac means to speak. Mm, okay. You know, so Mac herself a pro. She said she was a professional. Mm -hmm. Slick was his name, Slick. Yeah. And I needed something to um, say that uh, the word remember, because yeah. I didn't want to say remember. Yeah. But I came up with, oh, great matter. You know, that's the thinking. Yeah. Mechanism your of your brain. Back. You know, it's, you know, gray matter back gives you the word remember. Sure. You know. It's pretty creative. Yeah, right. <laughs> I like that. I thought so. Yeah. Uh, gray matter back, a lot of performers down, a lot of performers stay down. You know, they don't rise in the business. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of performers down, not take TCB and not taking care of business on the technical side. Oh, I got it. Not take TCB in. Yeah. <laughs> There's this is I mean, this is so cool to me because like you, you really put a lot of work into this and it all, you know, it all makes sense whether or not it's, you know, official urban dictionary type stuff. You guys, you really put a lot of thought into this and were very creative with the whole thing. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that it uh, didn't um, come off as uh, Ebonics or anything like that. You know, I wanted to yeah. make sure that, you know, there was that uh, line. Yeah. You know, that delineated line between that and the jive. Yeah. You know, so um, uh, that's why I took the, as much time and care as I did with it. Because you see how uh, enduring uh, the part and the movie is. Yeah. I mean, it's actually in the Library of Congress. Right, right. right yeah. Now, and not yeah. many movies get inducted into the Library of Congress. I so. bet you're the only guy who has a movie inducted into the Library of Congress 
had created a role for Tennessee Williams and oh. created a show for August Wilson. You are a m- <laughs> there's not there's okay. no one like you, Al. This is wow. I didn't know that till you just mentioned it. You put it all together for that's me. That's what dude. I do, man. That's what I do. <laughs> uh, well, so you know, you and I uh, off camera had uh, when we were talking about this. Um, you had we had an interesting conversation. Hoping maybe we can revisit it really quickly about you know ebonics versus slang versus jive versus what you did because as I think that's an interesting conversation because I don't, you know, until I talked to you, I didn't really understand the difference um, between all three. And I did a little research and found out that there's actually very distinct differences between all of them. And there is a, a movement um, to make Ebonics into an actual language, which is actually called African-American Vernacular English. And there's some, they make an interesting argument. You know, you were kind of on the other side, but it's an interesting thing to kind of so talk about. So what argument did they make for it? So they made an argument that... Um, that it that is a subset of American English, uh, similar to Creole English, and that it does in fact uh, that it does in fact have a standard set of rules and and grammar um, conventions that in that in fact make it a language, and not necessarily just slang. Where slang would be like a word here and there, which is the the definition of slang is pretty interesting. It's um, it is a a. Dis- uh, it is a distinct from colloquial and jargon terms, which means like colloquial or just base words, not proper English, and jargon, which are words that are specifically technical. It's different from those because it's more social. So slang words like, um, you know, let's say you're talking about marijuana, reefer. If you, you know, that was a jive term. That's how it originally started. So it's a term that is specifically social in context. When you don't, when you want to talk about something that's taboo or something you're not supposed to talk about. But it's only words and phrases, slang, slang words, a slang phrase. Whereas Ebonics is, or American, African-American vernacular English, is something um, that, is, that has its own entire set of rules for the entire run of the language. Well, I wasn't aware that Ebonics had rules myself. Well, the, you it, know, supposedly uh, it does. Uh, huh? Supposedly it does. Okay, well, that's a new one on me. Oh, um, okay. Ebonics to me is... Uh, um, the way some uh, people do speak, but it's it 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 does all get confusing. But um, far as I far as I can see, Bonics is just uh, improperly spoken English. Hmm. You know, uh, the slaves uh, were not uh, permitted to speak their own languages, so they had to pick up English as best they could. You know, uh, I would say it would be the derivation of Ebonics. You know, like Creole, like um, pigeon languages, P- languages yeah, that are like pigeon, a combination. Yeah, probably, between. yeah, pigeon. You know, jive was a uh, definite uh, creation of the uh, jazz musicians to express their particular feelings for whatever situation they were in. Yeah, I figure. You know, what we did was uh, a combination of jive and what uh, we could invent. Yeah. You know, to uh, express what uh, the Zuckers wanted. Yeah. You know, so. Um, well, essentially, kind of, you know, in a way, you guys did do that because the whole, you know, whether or not you want to recognize, you know, Ebonics as a language, the whole idea behind it is that, that there is a set of rules and structures that take it one step up from slang, which is a series of words and phrases, into a language, a structured grammatical context. That's, that's the argument that they make. Whether you believe that or not, you guys kind of did that with your thing in Airplane. You took, you took ideas, you took slang words, and then you created you know, a language, or at least made it sound like a language. 
Yeah, we made it sound like a language. It's not a language. Sure, not at all. But you know, it was just what we did for that movie. Yeah, <laughs> but it was kind of cool. I mean, because you, you know. made it sound like a language. Yeah, you know, and I've had people come up to me and ask me to speak jive. You know, I said, yeah. you know, I can't speak jive. It's not a language. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would have to sit down and work on it like I did for for the movie in order to come up with anything that would sound like what you would uh, uh, call a language, you yeah. know, speaking jive, because it's not a language. Well, you know, people have done that. I mean, you know, to take some in, some two uh, two real world concepts. There's, I'm sure you've heard of Star Trek, but there are people. There's a there's an alien race in there called Klingons, and there are people who have, and I'm not kidding, have created a language called Klingon, which has its own grammatical, you know, rules and words and everything like that, and they've created a language out of nothing. You know, that that's more of like an intellectual. Um, like a focused effort to create a language. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand that. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. For that movie, that was that language. Sure. No, no. But I mean, this is an active current language now. There's a dictionary. People speak this at conventions. This is an, an active live language. I'm I'm looking You're at your kidding. face right now. No, no, no. This <laughs> okay. is that's what I'm saying. Like people go out. They've done this, and for that particular language, you can go online. You can buy books. It's a language. Right. Yeah. And okay. so as another example, which is kind of different but similar, there's a small community up in Northern California. Um, it's called um, uh, Boot. Uh, the, the language is called Bootling. And it, the mm. town, the town is, I forget the name of the town. It's Boot something. I should know this right off the top of my head. Mm. But, but what's a little different about their language, and, and it is a made-up language, and it is similar to Jive in that they're real English words that have different mm -hmm. meanings used okay. in different ways. Yeah, right. So right, like right. like a like a horn is a cup, like something you drink out of. So when mm -hmm. you hear it spoken, it doesn't sound like the words make any sense, but they've had their own language. And the difference, the distinction I'm trying to make is that that was more um, natural, like it's a natural evolution of the adults. One of the theories is that the adults are trying to hide their phrases from the kids and have their own language, but that developed naturally, whereas Klingon was a created language, similar to what you guys did. Oh, okay, okay. Oh. I mean, so there are there are examples of this. Yeah. I mean, it, it happens. Thank you for the education. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I thought you might find it interesting because you guys yeah. kind of did that, you know, before. You know, you guys yeah, you, you yeah. did the same thing unknowingly. Right, 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 for uh, uh, for the movie. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Klingons. Huh? I'm just. Hey, uh, here's here's what I'm gonna say. Here's 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 how we're gonna end this this interview. You are the only man, probably in in, in Hollywood, who's created a language. Oh, who, oh no. <laughs> okay. Who was in both a DC comic and a Marvel comic television ah. show? Created an epi Created a character for Tennessee Williams and August. Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Tennessee Tennessee Williams and August uh, Williams Wilson. Wilson, Wilson. That's August the word. Wilson. Awesome Wilson. Um, and what other amazing thing have you done that we just... Oh, and you, you almost hit Michael J. Fox. No, there was one ah. other... I'm missing one other thing that you did that makes you uh, basically one of a kind, Al. Um, well, when you when you remember, let me know. When I think about it, I'll put it up on the website. I'll add a little... When I add my... I'm sure when I do my intro, I'll remember, and then I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll mention okay, it. Okay, but the ones that you did mention, uh, I mean, they'll hold up. Yeah, they'll, that's they'll no hold small up. feat, Al. That's impressive. I hadn't even thought of that, man. Thank you. You're welcome. I brought it all together for you. <laughs> So where can people see you now? You're on. You're currently on Switch to Birth. Yes. Uh yes. I have a uh, running part right now on uh, Switch to Birth. It's on ABC Family. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have an episode coming up uh, uh, Monday night. Yes. So this is and this is in February. We're now on March first. So if you're listening to this late, you'll have to catch it on you know streaming. 
Um, but but if you're if you happen to catch this live right when we air it, it will be on Monday night eight. Um, I think it's eight p.m. seven central on, on ABC Family. And you know, with the world we live in now, you can catch everything on Netflix or Amazon or wherever you want to catch old episodes. Right. Uh, the uh, the the first episode was on the thirteenth uh, of February, so you can go back to that one, crying, drowning girl, mm-hmm. and then uh, last Monday. Uh, I forget the name of the episode, but I was on then and then this coming Monday, and I'll be on a couple of more coming up. That's great, Al. You're still working, man. You're still doing it. It's amazing. I don't know how you do it. Any last parting words of, you know, of advice for people wanting to do the same thing? Um, Just have a vision, number one. You have to have a um, a dream. Then you have to have a plan. Um, Then you have to have uh, a schedule. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you need to know what you want to do before you can do it. That's true. And uh, don't let uh, rejection deter you because that's uh, like 99% of the business. (laughs) Right, (laughs) You will not get every part you go up for, period. Yeah. I don't care who you are, to the major stars, even though, you know, like um, uh, Denzel or whomever up the top. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, even though they don't necessarily audition for parts anymore, the producers will sit down amongst themselves with the director and discuss who they want. Yeah. You know, his name could be in the pot along with uh, somebody else's name. If he doesn't get it, he lost the part. Yeah, that's true. You know, essentially. Yeah. You know, so you're not going to get everything you're up for or considered for, so don't let that deter you. Just uh, soldier ahead. You know, and uh, get your training in there, you know, and um, uh, look at movies, get into stage plays, watch what uh, everybody else does who are a success and uh, never give up. Like Nike says, just do it. Just get out there and do it. Right. Absolutely. Um, And so people now that I've created thousands of more fans of yours, Al, how can people stay in touch with you? You have a Facebook page, yes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I just got it too. You know, this is uh, I, I'm kind of an old dude. <laughs> you know, being you don't look drug handed <laughs> into the 21st century. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just got a new uh, Facebook page a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, so you can go to Facebook.com uh, forward slash actor Al White. Yeah, it's tricky because I looked for you, and another guy came up. He's got a straw hat and he's playing a guitar. Um, that is not. He's also black, so in the face is very fuzzy. That's not you. You're a different Al White. No, I don't play anything. Yeah, uh, just your face. So if they have something in his hand in their hand that they're playing. That's not me. That's not you. <laughs> no, that's why I have actor Al White. There's right. only <laughs> one actor Al White out there. The the other. One, I think you might be talking about the musician, country and western guy. He, yeah, his he name popped is Al up. White. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are a lot of Al Whites out there. It's amazing how many people have the same name, yeah. first and last. It is. It really is. I believe in acting, that's hard if people have the same name. You get confused. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to get in there and register yourself (laughs) with SAG, you know, and then uh, don't change it. I did that one time with my equity uh, name, Al White. I lost that to another Al White. What? I don't know. Um, Do you have to be like Alphonse Alphonse White or uh, No, for some reason I lost Al White, you know, in equity. And then uh, I kept checking every year, and then he didn't register or however it goes one time, and I jumped back in there and grabbed it. So, (laughs) you know. Got to take it when you can get it, right? It might be your given name, but, you you know, you've got to seal it, sign, seal, and deliver it, (laughs) baby. That's right. 
Um, all right, Al, thank you so much for being here, man. It's been a lot it was of fun. It my pleasure, Dan. Thank you for asking me. All right, thanks, Al. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a good night.